Friday morning lights. Long fly ball to center. Going, going, gone! No! Shot! Score! Good morning, sports fans. Ryland Turner here, joined as always by Kyle Joseph. And it is Friday morning lights, the October 2023 edition. Welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about uh, this morning, including uh, Red Bull's dominance in F1, Damian Lillard and where he wound up, Aaron Rodgers and his four plays of doom, and it is October, so we are talking about the MLB playoffs. With all that being said, Kyle Joseph, how are you this morning? I'm good. Uh, It's good to be here. It's good to be able to talk about some sports and stuff. I think... This is going to be an interesting one because there's a lot of interesting discussions to be had on all of these things. Absolutely. Uh, And as always, um, usually second week of the month, it's all about sports here on Wallop Media. So, Kyle, let's dive right in. Let's talk about the F1 season. Red Bull is kicking everyone's ass. Max Verstappen may be the best of all time. (laughs) I mean, the thing about it that you have to remember, first of all, is he's got a long way to go. Uh, to have the record for titles, this will be his third driver's title, I believe. And Lu- Lu- yeah, third straight driver's title. Lewis, I believe, has seven. And if I'm not mistaken, Max Schumacher also has seven. Or not Max Schumacher, sorry. Michael Schumacher has seven as well. So this is, I mean, he is showing having one of the clearly having one of the most dominant seasons of all time, but he still does have a ways to go before he gets to that conversation. But the reality is he's still very young and Red Bull has no intention of parting with him anytime soon. So really he's only 26, by the way, really it's going to come down to the fact or come down to the reality of can another team compete with Red Bull in terms of construction? Because that has been the biggest separator this season is just the Red Bull car being so much better than any other and Max Verstappen getting the absolute most out of the car every week. However, the reign of terror has come to a brief end. At the Singapore Grand Prix, which is the 15th of the calendar of 22 races, Carlos Science of the Ferrari team picked up the victory. It was the first non-Red Bull victory this season. Max having won 12 of the previous 14 races with his teammate Sergio Perez winning the other two early on in the year. Verstappen finished fifth in this particular race, which obviously was a surprise. I think a lot of people were expecting It was hard to foresee another team picking up the victory. It was also interesting to see the people who were on the podium as well. Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton hit the podium for that particular week, both having resurgent back halves of their season. But don't worry, Max Verstappen fans. He was the pole winner, fastest lap, and winning driver by a country mile in Japan. So this isn't ending anytime soon. Red Bull has also clinched the Constructors' Championship at this point. They're running away with this field, which is interesting. We'll kind of talk about it when we get a little bit later in this. But in terms of the individual driver's championship, he is about to win his third championship. It hasn't technically clinched yet, but it might as well be. 
And there's an interesting glut of people sort of behind him. And we can talk about some teams really turning around their seasons and some teams not quite having that same level of success. I think Lewis Hamilton currently sitting in third place in the driver's standings and his Mercedes team is currently in second. Although, as I mentioned, Ferrari got a win. They're making a big push to try to get to that second place. It's 20 points between the two of them with six races to go. So anything can still happen with the, with those two. On top of that, at this point, we're now seeing Aston Martin start to fade a little bit as far as the early dominance to their season. Fernando Alonso hitting the podium a bunch of times. Recently, Alonso is, you know, scraping to get points a little bit while the last race, last four races, they haven't gotten a point out of Lance Stroll. So his last time that he was close to the podium came back very early in the season. This has not been a great season for him. And, you know, his dad owns the team, so he's not really worried about a driving spot. But it is always unfortunate to be continually dusted by your team weight, as I'm sure Sergio Perez can commiserate as well. <laughs> I, I have to ask, Kyle, um, do you think that it would be some good drama to have him have a hard conversation with his dad at the end of the season for uh drive to survive. I think it'd be interesting. I, I do think that there is a point at which there's going to be expectations. And if that team is going to be pushing to try to be a top team in formula one, which I think they are, they want to get into that second tier of teams and compete for a constructor's podium at very least, they're going to need better driving out of him. And I mean, Fernando Alonso, has had an incredible season, but you have to wonder how many incredible seasons he's got left in him at this point. So then it comes down to you need the next generation to make the push, and Lance Stroll is supposed to be that. Ferrari also maintaining honor, as I mentioned. McLaren's starting to pull together some success as well, which is nice to see. Lando Norris has been runner-up four times this season, all of them coming in the last seven races so that's really really good and yeah it's good to see that little bit of parody oscar piastri at the japanese grand prix got his first ever podium so it's cool to see some of those young drivers making that push into that next echelon the big question of course is going to be this season's kind of a lost cause what happens this offseason for those teams to start to try to close the gap with Red Bull? All right. Uh, moving on, Kyle, to our next story. Uh, do you want to go Aaron Rodgers or Damian Lillard? We'll talk Rodgers first because I've got less to say about it. Mm -hmm. So Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, making his debut with the Jets. Monday Night Football, all the eyes of the world on him. And he gets hurt. Badly, he's done for the rest of the season with an Achilles tendon rupture, which could not be more unfortunate. The Jets' ambitions this season are now sort of being thrown for a loop. Whether or not they're going to be able to recover their season sort of remains to be seen, but they're asking a lot of Zach Wilson 
There's a lot of heat on that kid too. Like there's been some big name people in football coming out and saying, I don't have any faith in this kid. And I I feel bad for him too, because Mm. when, when Rogers came out and was uh, traded to the Jets, he, he said that he was going to make it his goal to make sure that, you know, he got some prime time playing time. And now he's getting that opportunity. And I wonder, is it, is, is now that the pressure's on him, is it too much? What, what's your thoughts on this? He's been Zach. He's been the same Zach Wilson. He's always been like, let's be clear about something. Zach Wilson is a second overall pick. He was highly touted, the most recent of the highly touted quarterbacks to come out of college and go to the Jets. They've spent a lot of high draft picks on quarterbacks, and he has been far from a success. He was being outperformed by Mike White last year, which is not something that's going to inspire a lot of confidence. And the reality is, is that this is a Jets team that by its construction seems to just be respectable quarterback play away from making the playoffs at very least. And now it just doesn't look like they're going to get into that position. They ended up getting the win on the Monday night after Rogers got hurt. But since then they've lost three games in a row. The division is not easy between Buffalo and Miami. They're both very, very good teams. And yeah, the big question for the Jets is going to be, can they pull out some wins in the coming games? They're at least going to Denver this week as of recording, and so that's usually a nice gimme on the bingo card. But they still have a lot of tough games ahead of them this season, including two more against the Dolphins and one against the Bills yet to come in Buffalo. So we'll see what happens. The Broncos are a team that I really want to follow this season because... With bringing back Sean Payton to to coach this team, and with Russell Wilson and everything he's been for the last you know season or so, I'm curious to know how this is going to implode because that's ultimately how I think it's going to happen. It's going to implode at some point. But with all that being said, Kyle, it's time to move on from football to the NBA. The biggest trade of the off season has gone down. Let's talk about it. This might be the biggest trade of the last few years. Right. Damian Lillard making his move to Milwaukee. The trade was Lillard to Milwaukee. In exchange, the Blazers ended up getting DeAndre Ayton from the Suns. Drew Holiday to Mani Kamara, a first-rounder from the Suns, and some pick swaps from the Suns. These are distant, by the way. The first rounder is in 29. The pick swaps are 28 and 30. So we're talking about draft picks, you know, at least five years from now. So who's to say what the Bucks are going to be in five years? But this is what you do when you're making that all-in push. Meanwhile, the Suns, as part of it, get Grayson Allen, Keon Johnson, Nasir Little, and Yusuf Nurkic probably being the biggest name of that group. It's a really good trade for all teams involved. We'll talk about Lillard after, but I do want to sort of get to the Suns first because what it gives them is it gives them some bench presence and some guys to have some depth beyond the top players that they have. Because we know they've got top stars. They have, obviously, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker still there. 
they've got uh they added Bradley Beal. They've got the top names there established to at least be in a position where they can push things. Now they need to add the other pieces around the league in order to continue to elevate that high level and raise those expectations, really raise the floor. Yusuf Nurkic is a great piece for that. So I do think that they did get something out of this trade. They're parting with DeAndre Ayton, which is a failed experiment, but this failed experiment for the Trailblazers to pick up and give every opportunity to to compete every night and get significant minutes alongside some of the young players they've got there and Scoot Henderson, among others. And then Drew Holiday got traded. So oh, we'll talk to we'll talk about the Bucks last, I think, because I do think this is another important piece for the the Blazers. Drew Holiday goes to the Celtics in exchange for Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, the first-round pick from the Warriors in this upcoming draft, and an unprotected first in 2029 from the Celtics. So one thing I'll say about that first-rounder from the Warriors is that we're not that far removed from the Warriors drafting high. Mm-hmm. So it... I'm not saying it's necessarily likely, but they're really, you know, an injury away on a seriously veteran team from that pick being worth something relatively significant, or at the very least in the lottery. Malcolm Brogdon is a guy who I expect that they will eventually trade towards the deadline. I think he's a guy who could contribute for a contender as, you know, bench type of presence there. Robert Williams, I think, will slot in nicely to the Blazers lineup. And the Celtics get Drew Holiday. They get that point guard they can add to their core of talent that they already have in their two big stars, uh, Tatum and Brown, of course. And, yeah, I think that the Celtics look a lot better as a result of this trade. You add those two to Kristaps Porzingis coming in as well. This is a fascinating Boston team Mm -hmm. that they're going to be looking to score points this season. That's the big thing is this is a team that's going to try to track meet some teams and put up big points. We'll see if that's a strategy that ends up working out for them, but that's what they're going with. Obviously, go ahead. I I was going to say, don't sleep on the Celtics this year. Because no. I think they're gonna they're gonna do some big things. I I think they have the the lineup to do it, and especially the starting lineup. Like, I, don't sleep on these guys. Drew Holiday's gonna gonna have a chip on his shoulder. Considering what was it the day before he was traded, he talked about how he wanted to end his career in Milwaukee, and he's coming this season to to prove that he was worth them keeping. I think, and the Celtics are a great team that has a lot of pieces, and he is fit perfectly into that i think then of course we have to talk about man himself damian lillard obviously an elite point guard the best player that Giannis has played with to this point which is no knock on guys like chris middleton or brooke lopez who are both very good players but damian lillard is in another class it adds another big name who you can't ignore especially being able to get his own shot. This is a team that's set up for a big-time run in the playoffs. I think the important thing to remember is that Giannis isn't here forever at this point. I think his contract only lasts another two seasons, at which point the hope will be 
trying to do enough to convince him that he should stick around. And this is now that championship window that is going to be the place where you can convince him to stick in Milwaukee, which is, you know, integral to their future. Agreed. Agreed. I, I'm super excited for Dame. I was super disappointed. It wasn't the Raptors. Um, but I think at this point, I, 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 I'm almost ready to put the Raptors aside and cheer for somebody else. Um, until the Raptors can get it back together, because as much as I will continue to cheer for them and they're my top team, it just it right now we'll see with that with that team. I love Pascal. I love Scotty Barnes. <laughs> this kid, Grady Dick, he's got the best name in the NBA. Um, uh, I, I'm hoping that there's that they're able to at least push for a playoff spot, but without Dame and without that star power and that ability, uh, I don't know if we're going to get that. However, Milwaukee is another team that, like, I've always loved Giannis. And he got his chip a couple years ago, but I'm more than happy to see him playing with a guy who I think deserves a title, um, if not more than one. And I'm excited to see the two play together, that's for sure. It's going to be a fascinating season because you're talking about several teams that are really expecting to make that push for the championship. Philadelphia is in turmoil, but they still have those high expectations. Boston, obviously. Milwaukee, obviously. And Miami was there last year. They don't want to be out of this either. Despite the fact that I do think they played themselves in this particular trade opportunity because they should have been able to part with enough to get Damian Lillard in that situation. Regardless, there's a lot of intriguing stories going into the season, and the Eastern Conference is a big part of them, which we haven't said for a little bit. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to mention before we get into some baseball. No, let's go, Kyle. It's take me out to the ball game. So... Season is now over. Regular season is in the books. We are into the playoffs. As of recording today, we are just starting the playoffs. As we're literally as we're recording this, the games are ongoing for game one for at least a few of the teams. This is going to be an interesting one. We'll go through the series because I do think this is a an interesting collection of teams that are in here. And with one real exception, I don't know that there's, especially in the AL when we're talking about it, I don't know that we're coming into this season with a team that we can really definitively say, oh, I think they're going to win the championship. Even, even favorites are hard to really nail down this time around. Kyle, Baltimore, and Houston. So Baltimore and Houston are the two teams that are going to be awaiting their opponents. Baltimore will play the winner of Tampa Bay and Texas. Houston will play the winner of Minnesota and Toronto. Baltimore, this was what all of those tank seasons were for. All those bad seasons with those bad teams getting beat up over and over again. This is why they did it. And... What they've put together here is a collection of young players who are exceptionally talented, complemented by some surprisingly good seasons. They're going into this with a very interesting collection of people. They're going into this with some elite hitting. Adley Rushman looks like everything that they were hoping that he would be. 
they got Anthony Santander, who gave them that compliment to power. Gunnar Henderson, if they're going to be putting him in that lineup, you'd expect him to. Has looked like an excellent young player. And I think the important thing for this Baltimore Orioles team is that getting here was the goal for this season. They're playing with house money at this point. It is very sad to see Felix Bautista go down. He was probably the best closer in all of baseball. And now it looks like he's not even going to be available next season, which really sucks for this Baltimore Orioles team. They do still have a very good bullpen, but you lose the biggest piece in your bullpen. That's always going to hurt. Again, this is a team that's playing with house money. They're going to want to be... I mean, if you win 100 games, you always expect to be in the conversation for a World Series. But there are going to be questions about some of the staying power. Time will tell. We'll see once we get into their series whether or not they're going to be able to compete. They've got some tough teams coming towards them. That's for sure. With Houston, they got the machine going at just in the nick of time. Old Dusty's got those boys back into the playoffs. The important thing for Houston is that they still have the starting pitching that could be enough on its own. They've got guys who can steal games. Justin Verlander's still able to steal games despite, you know, being in his 40s at this point. Framber Valdez maybe it tailed off a little bit down the stretch, but still pitched an excellent pitching season. Christian Javier, a little bit more of a disappointing season, but he's still a guy who can elevate himself in big moments if they decide to give him the ball, which I presume that he will be a part of that rotation. And then, of course, the hitting is not what it always has been, but we're seeing the big-time resurgence of Jose Altuve had a tremendous season in limited time. They've got Kyle Tucker. They've got Jordan Alvarez, who are mashing the ball right now. Alex Bregman not having the kind of season that you would have expected out of Alex Bregman, especially in what looks like it could be his last time in Houston. But he's still a dangerous player with a lot of playoff experience. That's the big thing is that there's still good pieces on this Astros team. They're coming into this playoffs a little bit limping in. They barely got enough wins to get there, but... They're here, and they got the bye, and time will tell. See what they can do. All right. Going into the wild card, we have the Texas Rangers and the Tampa, and Tampa Bay. Um, talk to me about this series. So I can't say already, a bit of a surprise, the Tampa Bay Rays are in trouble. They lost their opener. The Rangers picking up the victory, which means they're one win. The Rangers are one win away from going into that series against Baltimore and maybe being the, a, a favorite because they are definitely a hot hand. Talk about the Rangers first. Loathe though I am to praise them because of past grapes. Can't help but do it. The metal infield is exactly what they were hoping that it would be. Marcus Semyon was crushing doubles. This whole team. Hits extra base power very, very impressively. Corey Seager had a masterful season this season. And if he didn't get hurt, would be competing for an MVP for part of it. If he didn't get hurt for part of the season, I should say. The rest of that lineup is very, very good. Not really a bad hitter in the bunch. 
you're getting some emergence of some young players like Josh Jung, like Leotis Tavares, finally sort of stepping into and being solid, reliable hitters. Marcus Semien, as we know from Blue Jays' experience, I mentioned, excellent. They've got a lot of good pieces in the bats. The question for them is and has been forever, can the pitching hold up? They're going to be without John Gray for probably the whole of the playoffs, which really hurts. No Max Scherzer either. He's hurt. They've got reliable starters. Nathan Eovaldi, Martin Perez, Jordan Montgomery to a degree as well. And they've got veteran presence in the bullpen, though I wouldn't call any of them in particularly impressive at this point. This point in his career, Will Smith doesn't really scare me as as a closer. Jose Leclerc might be sort of the, the big name out of the bullpen, but that's the big question for Texas is can the pitching hold up to carry that hitting? And if they can, they could go as far as they they could compete, but it's going to come down to that. For Tampa Bay, they're a 99-win team, but they're a slouching 99-win team. And the big thing about it, there's got nothing left. The I'm not going to get into the disaster that is the situation with Wander Franco. That's just its own kettle of fish. But injuries have really ravaged this team. No Brandon Lowe, no Jose Siri in the lineup. And then obviously no Franco. And then on top of that, Shane McClanahan is a crushing blow. And the reality is he is probably going to be out for a significant part of next season, maybe even all of it, which is disastrous. He was their ace. That's not to say they don't still have good pitching. They really do. They have probably the most reliable bullpen in the playoffs right now. In addition to having guys like Tyler Glasnow, having guys like Zach Elfin, having guys like Taj Bradley, or less Taj Bradley, but more Zach Little, like, the starting pitching for Tampa Bay is sufficient, and they're also going to probably do some shenanigans with their bullpen to carry them through some of the rougher starts. But, yeah, the injuries have really gotten to this team, and I don't know if they have enough at this point to carry it through all the way through, but they're still talented there at very least. Toronto and the Twins. This is the battle between two teams where one of them has to win. We know this. It's a series that one of these two teams is required to win. Let's start with the Twins, who win a central division that nobody else really tried to win. They're without most of the hitters they're kind of having high expectations of. They're going to be relying on guys like Max Kepler primarily is as a big portion of their offense, but offense has kind of been a problem this season. And then to be without Carlos Correa, to be without Byron Buxton, who hasn't been around for most of the season, no Royce Lewis, no Joy Gallo. That's trouble. The good news is they have really, really good pitching. Sonny Gray having a fantastic season. There's a little bit of concerns about him for injury as well, but he is probably going to be a big-time reliable starter for them. Pablo Lopez, who came over 
from Miami a couple seasons ago has been fantastic this season as well. The bullpen's really good. At least the the back end of it is. Duran and Pagan are a reliable one-two punch. It's going to come down to hitting. They need to score enough runs to be able to carry the starting pitching. And boy, is that the story of the Toronto Blue Jays, too. The Toronto Blue Jays are talent-wise on paper. They should be running away with this one. But they have not achieved this season. They've not lived up to expectations. Bo Bichette is really the only person who is on this hitting roster, living up to the expectations they've been placed on him. Alejandro Kirk has had a disastrous season. Vladimir Guerrero, by his ex- lofty expectations, just has not performed to that high level. Matt Chapman had a great start to the season, but sort of regressed to the mean as the season went on. Dalton Varsho, the big trade acquisition, has been incredible defensively, but just never really got the bat going all year. And it's trouble. They're relying on David Schneider, at least in part. And he is still very green. So we will wait and see the pitching. I like Kevin Gossman. As far as the rotation goes, Gossman, Berrios, Kikuchi, and Bassett are all reliable. The big question for me, one, the bullpen is starting to look pretty shaky. Aside from Jordan Hicks, who has been an excellent Blue Jay since his acquisition from St. Louis, Jordan Maruano had a great season, but he's really slumped towards the end. And God help us if they need to get outs from anybody else. Except from Tim Mesa. He's been excellent as their sort of lefty specialist. It's going to be tough for the Blue Jays. The big thing is they need those bats to show up. They need the Kirks and the Guerreros and the Chapmans and the Springers to elevate their game to the levels that were expected of them rather than the levels they've been performing this year. Now, Toronto did not win a playoff game last year, got knocked out very unceremoniously by the Seattle Mariners reeling from that series. Minnesota hasn't won a playoff game in 18 playoff. Their last 18 playoff appearances have all been losses. Somebody has to win this series. No idea who it's going to be. Okay. Okay. Moving over to the National League, Kyle, uh, we have the Dodgers and the Braves in the number one and two position. We'll talk Atlanta first. This team is a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The hitting has been incredible. Matt Olson is crushing the ball. He had 54 home runs this season, and he wasn't their best hitter. That would be the inventor of the 4070 club, Ronald Acuna Jr. That's a one-two punch on its own. But then you add on top of that, Sean Murphy has been one of the best hitting catchers this season. Ozzy Albies, reliable hitter in the middle infield. Austin Riley had 37 home runs. Albies, I should mention, had 33. Oh, and by the way, they had another 40 home run hitter in Marcelo Zuna. Add to that a starting rotation that is banged up but still includes Spencer Strider, who is a very, very solid pitcher, striking out guys like crazy. 
the bullpen is good. I wouldn't see anybody and any other like really going to step out and absolutely shine. I think Rafael or sorry, Rysel Iglesias is the best pitcher in that bullpen, but they've had good pieces. They can strike guys out. And the big thing is that lineup is there's no breaks. There's no light spot in it. So what are you going to do when you got to deal with them? Time will tell. Then, of course, the Dodgers, as you mentioned, and the big thing for the Dodgers is for pitching, who's left? (laughs) Julio Arias is probably, has pitched his last game for the Dodgers. We're not going to get into that situation either. Boy, is baseball sad right now. You can read up on Julio Arias if you want to. I have no want or desire to waste any words on him. Clayton Kershaw is giving everything that his body can provide and has pitched a very good season for what he was able to perform. Should he be the ace at this point? You probably would hope that he wouldn't be, but here we are. And the rest of this rotation is just sort of there. The bullpen isn't particularly great until you get to the back end of it, where uh, Graytall and Phillips are a very, very nice one-two punch. Then for the lineup, they're getting some great hitting out of some surprising performers. They've Jason Hayward can hit. Who knew? Freddie Freeman's having a tremendous season. The power numbers have dinned down a little bit. He only had 29 home runs, but 59 doubles. We haven't seen somebody get that many doubles in probably 50 years. He was the one double away from being the first guy to get 60 in over 80 years. <laughs> so that's an impressive amount of extra base power. Couple that with Mookie Betts, who had a characteristically Mookie Betts-like season. Some veterans that they're going to be relying on heavily, like Max Muncie, like Will Smith, like J.D. Martinez. I shouldn't say Will Smith is that level of veteran, but still has been in this league for a while, is a reliable hitter. There's pieces here. The question's going to be starting pitching for them. And starting pitching is such a key component in the playoffs that it definitely gives me some pause when it comes to the Dodgers. Okay. Okay. The Diamondbacks and the Brewers in the wild card. Who boy. So... The Diamondbacks were one of the hottest teams all season, at least early on, and then it started to come back to reality. Let me be clear on something. Corbin Carroll is tremendous. A little bit, numbers got a little bit down as the season went on. I mean, he's still in 22 but still a very, very reliable hitter. They've got complementary hitting as well, though not as much as they would like to. I think they were hoping for a little bit more out of Guriel Jr. Uh, Ketel Marte and Christian Walker are, you know, solid hitters, but they're going to be asking a lot of them. And the big question is, Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly are both solid starting pitchers. What do you have after that? Because the rest of that starting rotation looks shaky at best. And this bullpen is not one that you can expect to give you five innings every night. This is a team that slumped in, but they're here. And, you know, punching your ticket is the biggest step. 
That's the big first step. So if you do that, you might have a chance. I think they're running into a Milwaukee team that they're at the end of their competitive window, probably. But at very least, the big thing is they've got the starting pitching, which you can't say that about every team. But for this team, you can absolutely say that. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, an excellent top two pairing in the in the rotation. Devin Williams is probably the best closer in all of baseball. They've got other reliable pitchers as well in Peralta. Wade Miley has been excellent this season. They can go even a little bit deeper if they want to. They had some more reliable starting as the, as the year went on. But then they get to the bats. Christian Yelich, William Contreras, and a bunch of dudes. Can those dudes elevate, get to that next level? Willie Damas showed flashes of power. Rowdy Telez, less so, but it's, there's power definitely in that bat. The big question for them is ultimately how ace can those starting pitchers be because they have not really shown the ability to score runs throughout the season. And it's going to be a tough ask to be able to keep that many runs off the playoffs, all playoffs, but they do have probably the starting pitching that I would be the most confident going into this playoffs with. Fair. It's fair. Miami and Philly, Kyle. Miami is in the happy to be here camp. Now that you're here, you obviously want to try to compete. But again, just getting to the playoffs was the goal. It starts in the, their batting starts with Luis Reyes, 354 this season, was flirting with 400 in the early parts of the year, which was really, really impressive, but gets over 200 hits this season. A, a very, very good season for him and tip of the cap to him for that. Jorge Soler, also a very, very solid hitter. Down season from Jazz Chislam, who also got hurt a little bit. I think they're going to be hoping that he'll be able to pick some things up in the playoffs. Kind of ditto for some of their other players. Yuli Gurriel just never really stepped up in that first base role that they were hoping he would be. This team is going to be asking a fair bit from their pitching. And their pitching is a bit hurt right now. Their most notable name is probably Sandy Alcantara, and he is going to be out for this series. Been out for uh, a chunk at this point. And then you need to get the Lazardos, the Garretts, the Cabreras to be able to get you through the requisite number of innings to be able to get to the back of the bullpen, which is pretty good. It's got veteran presence at very least, but who's to say what they're going to be able to pull off? It's Again, this is a team that's happy to be here, but you never know with the playoffs, because especially in these series where you only have three games. The favorite in this series is absolutely the Philadelphia Phillies. You've got Bryce Harper, who had a very Bryce Harper season. Despite the fact that he was coming off of major surgery, came out and he mashed the ball. Then on top of that, they've got some solid other hitters. Real Muto is a solid, reliable hitting catcher. Brandon Marsh had a, had a pretty good season. Kyle Schwarber is a fascinating hitter who hit 197, which would make you believe, oh, this guy's really terrible, except he hit 47 home runs. 
So if he gets hold of one, he can really drive them. Nick Castellanos, another solid hitter. Trey Turner, this is a team with solid hitting up and down the lineup. And then Bryce Harper, who is having an excellent season. The big question is, they've got Zach Wheeler, they've got Aaron Nola, they've got Taiwan Walker. These are all good pitchers who are not necessarily having the season that they were expecting them to. What version of them is going to show up in the playoffs? Is it going to be the one that we were hoping for all season, or at least Phillies fans were? Or is it going to be the ones they've sort of had all season? Also, Craig Kimbrell continuing to do it this season. Uh, Had another solid season as their Phillies closer. So we'll see if he can hold down the fort in the back end. The bullpen's a little bit shaky, but some interesting pieces there. And yeah, that's sort of where we are with these playoffs. Yeah. Um, Next month on the show, Kyle and I are going to talk the NBA and their season, the NHL and their season. And Kyle, would you like to talk some college football? Yeah, we can talk a little bit of college. So that'll be entertaining. And I guess we'll also be going over by that point, probably who won. Yes, uh, we will have the conclusion to the MLB playoff coverage. Um, with all that being said, Kyle, uh, this has been a morning. This has been a morning with a lot of sports. Why don't you send the people home happy? All right. Thank you so much for listening all the way into the podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been lit. You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.